Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus you're listening to screen heroes Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Screen Heroes podcast. We have a special episode for you this week. We've got two episodes for you. If you listened last week, you know this. But if not, we are covering both the Snyder Cut, which is what we're doing tonight, today, right now. And we are also going to cover the premiere for The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we're recording this Monday night live and then Tuesday night as normal. We'll be doing the premiere of Falcon Soldier. So tonight is just about the Snyder Cut. Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's what we're covering. I am Derek, your regular host. I have with me my two lovely longtime co-hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Ray. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. All right. So this is what we're doing. This is nothing but the Snyder Cut. So at this point, I'm just going to throw out the spoiler warning for any of the DCEU films, both versions of the Justice League movie, anything like that is now officially fair game. Okay, that is your your spoiler warning. So there you have it. Uh, For those who don't know what the Snyder Cut is, also known as Zack Snyder's Justice League, the official title is a four hour cut of a Justice League movie that is available on HBO Max right now. It will supposedly have an IMAX release later in 2021. Um, And it's also getting a black and white release called Justice is Gray at some point on HBO Max, though we don't have a date for that. So this is a different movie an alternate version of the movie that we got in theaters in 2017 that was primarily directed by joss whedon but the cast is the same they're they're playing the same characters 
so to speak. Um, and yeah, so we'll continue to go into that. I'm sure we've all watched it, right? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. would you guys like to start on this? Cause it is, I mean, it's a lot of ground to cover. It's the, obviously the longest movie that we've ever had to talk about that we have discussed entire seasons of shows before. So we've, we've binge watched, you know, daredevil <laughs> and been able to cover it, but should we talk about how hyped you were for this, Derek? <laughs> uh i mean sure yeah i've i've been excited and hyped for this cut uh ever since it started to come out that it possibly existed i mean early on you know i as supportive as i am of, of Zack snyder and and you know what the snyders have gone through it never occurred to me that this movie was actually going to be made you know like sure there was some rough very rough unfinished cut of the movie that probably existed somewhere but that's the case for you know, other projects too. So I, I did not think this would ever see the light of day in any actual completed format. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah. After, I mean, it's, it's been years, you know, the Snyder's well, Zack Snyder specifically left the production in 2016 and, you know, we got the theatrical cut in 2017 and here we are March of, of 2021 Warner brothers talked about doing a, a release of just the rough cut with no visual effects, which I think would have been a disaster. Um, and they, they spent 70, seven, zero, $70 million to finish the visual effects, finish the score and the rest of the music, as well as some very minor, um, amounts of reshoots in 2020 to complete the film, which it's unprecedented. It's an unprecedented, unprecedented situation. We've never had a situation like this before. I don't know that any other movie has had an opportunity to do this, let alone one that's actually done it. So just the concept was very exciting to me. Yeah. And also potentially really terrible, but uh, you know, <laughs> not, not that the movie was potentially terrible. I mean, that concept was potentially terrible. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's, it sets a weird standard for the future of Hollywood, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. I'm sure. So overall first impressions. It was a pretty good film. I, I was super surprised. I think it's one of Snyder's better films. Um, and considering everything that the production went through, I'm incredibly surprised that it's fucking coherent, you know, like it has no reason to be, but it is. And it was, you know, it was just much better than it had any right to be. I think of all the three of us, Rachel, you were probably the most like sus about it i just i i didn't know what to expect and i'm like guys the dceu has been divisive at best and you know kind of crappy at worst at times so i wasn't expecting it to be the best movie ever and the what he was able to produce totally blew me away i'm not saying that I think it's the best. It it definitely has its problems, but I am going to say that with our time limit, I'm not going to nitpick the movie. And just kind of as a courtesy to Zack Snyder, I'm not going to nitpick the movie. He he got an incredible opportunity with this and he really stepped up to the plate. So, you know, good for him. I'm really happy with what we got. 
I'm not going to really like nitpick the movie either. Probably, I feel like most of the issues I have with it are not nitpicky issues. But right, um, yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's tough for me to think about criticizing this movie. I mean, it's what we do here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we we discuss movies, but part of that is criticism too. Um, but there's some movies where it's just like. I don't really want to criticize that movie because it, you know, just you can tell that it was made from a spot where the person behind it was just really passionate about what they were doing and really believed Mm -hmm. in it. And I don't like shitting on people's, you know, if they have a vision of something, especially something that was so important to him and his family, it makes it tough. But, you know, obviously that wouldn't be a very entertaining podcast if we just sat here (laughs) about it. So I I will say, I guess something that, I'm sure we've mentioned, but seems so much more glaringly weird now is that so little of the movie was reshoots, you know, like the, the nightmare scene with the Joker was a reshoot. Um, and it was just very, very minor stuff. We're talking like less than five minutes of reshoots made it into this four hour and two minute movie. Um, for the studio, even after Snyder left to look at what was filmed and not just pay someone to edit it, and finish what was there it just seems so mind-boggling to me that they really reshot two-thirds of what ended up in the theatrical cut and just left like three hours of this movie on the cutting room floor is just insane to me that that was a Same decision here. executives made you know like i think in my head like intellectually i knew that's what happened but i think it just didn't make sense to me so i just assumed yeah like he probably was only like halfway done filming but no, he really filmed it, the entire thing. He filmed a four hour movie that they just decided to forget about. And it's just crazy to me. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to nitpick this as well. I agree with everything both of you said, but it's also just time. It's difficult. It's a four hour movie. If we want to nitpick every freaking scene, we'll be here for a month, you know, try, trying yeah. to go through the whole thing. It's just not it's not practical. Um, you know, there's there's some low hanging fruit that I think that we can talk about, uh, both good and bad. You know, um, and we'll dive into some details for sure. Um, I am curious though, just kind of like, you know, first blush here with with the announcement of it, you know, getting an, an IMAX release later this year and the the Justice is Gray edition release. Would either of you be interested in seeing either of those slight variants? I'm good. I'm not interested in seeing those at all. No, I don't think it's really necessary to my experience as a viewer. I would be completely lying if I said that I didn't want to watch this film again, because I do. I honestly really enjoyed it, and I'd like to see it again um, just as a viewer. But it was a little uh, tedious having to sit here and like plan out the time to watch it all in one viewing. So it might be, (laughs) it might be a little while before I, I do it again. I just, I plan on it. I'm not a big fan of black and white versions of movies anyway. Like it comes off as a little pretentious to me. I don't really get anything extra out of the movie in black and white that I didn't get from a color version. Um, So I just, I'm sure there's some filmmaker argument about why I'm wrong, but for me personally, I don't get anything extra out of it. So I yeah. don't bother. If that's how it was filmed, then I really enjoy sure. watching it like that. Like Clerks, I 
I don't want to see a colorized version of Clerks, but <laughs> that'd be weird. That's yeah, but like not Fury Road. I don't need to see a black and white version right. of Fury Road or Logan. Like, right. You know, that just comes across as pretentious to me. And, you know, I, as much as I respect Zack Snyder and he seems like a wonderful guy, this also comes across as pretentious to me. So I won't be watching that. If there's an extra scene, like there's rumored to be some extra stuff, I'll just watch those on YouTube. So just for me, I have a slight unique perspective. So I'm partially colorblind and it's kind of weird the way I see colors. So I personally like black and white renditions simply because color is basically irrelevant in those you know versions or cuts or however you want to define them. And so for me, it's a unique opportunity to see it the way everybody else is seeing it, um, which it's just kind of it's it's just different. It's something that that is unique to people in my position. Um, so I definitely don't expect everybody to share that, but I personally find that kind of a fun opportunity. Well, there you go. I'm glad yeah. you get to see that. It's that I mean, my thing's pretty niche, um, you know, but it's there. So um what did you guys think of having it broken up into chapters? Thank you for doing that because it gave me time to pee, go pee. <laughs> or like get a, get another drink or, or or whatever you know i completely agree like we didn't pause at every chapter but we definitely took advantage of that so yeah i think three I, or four we paused was our first pause but it's like yeah that was nice i i really like the chapter use in uh movies i think it's a lot of fun now i i'd get bored if it was in every movie but i know uh tarantino did it with kill bill and it was fun it was helpful it it's nice because it marks like the beginning and end of a little vignette and it it worked for this it really did so i thought story-wise it was great and then just time and comfort wise it was a good move mm-hmm yeah, I liked it as well, though. I did find myself kind of chuckling a little bit every time I heard the line that was the name of the chapter, you know, uh, he did the thing. He did the thing. <laughs> yeah. Right? Cause yeah. like, I find myself doing that in any movie with its title, but in this case we had like seven opportunities, <laughs> right? So they didn't say epilogue in the epilogue though. So that was great. Right. Yeah. But that just kind of made me chuckle to myself. Yeah. Uh, the only other kind of general piece before we dive into the movie itself is the aspect ratio, which has created a lot more controversy than I thought it was going to. So this movie was released in what is called a four by three aspect ratio or a four, three aspect ratio uh, for anybody who's been watching TV for longer than the 21st century. We'll know that televisions use that ratio basically since they were invented until the widescreen HD TV started coming into play. Um, so most television was filmed this way. If you were to pick up a Blu-ray copy of any of the original Star Trek stuff, the original series, TNG, it's all done in four, three, you'll have the, the same kind of bars. Uh, the reason the Snyder cut was released that way is because that's the actual aspect ratio that most movies are shot in. It's the 35 millimeter aspect ratio, not exactly four, three it's one thirty three one. But, uh, so the idea here was to have the full frame of everything. You would get a cropped version of this in, in your average film. So I was curious what you guys thought about the aspect ratio. I'm sure once again, I'm going to get some film nerd bullshit about why I'm wrong. But uh, for me, it just ended up adding a lot of space above people's heads for most of the movie and didn't really add anything to it. I, you know, it's 
I, I understand this is Snyder's vision and all that. So, you know, whatever. But the, we clearly this is going to be viewed by the most people on their TV at home. So having it an IMAX ratio where everybody has these giant black bars on the side of their screens, for me, doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, you know, they're going to do a limited IMAX release at some point, I'm sure. But um, So one, one minor correction. The IMAX ratio would fill the whole screen. I, I just want to make that differentiation. So like if you watch The Dark Knight, for example, the IMAX scenes are the full screen. So that would be a different ratio. Sorry. Okay. I'm saying for my TV, see having big yeah. black bars on the side doesn't make any sense. So no, that's it, fine. I, I think you would like the IMAX ratio is what I'm saying. Maybe, but, I, but yeah. if you filmed this for IMAX and it was in this ratio in with that in mind, which is what I've read, I thought, but I don't know. I, I didn't love it. Well, I'm just going to leave it at that. There's a lot of extra head space, a lot of extra space above characters. And in some scenes when, you know, the fight scenes, when there's a trident coming down above somebody's head or a character's flying, then it was kind of nice. But those scenes were not common enough for me to feel like the whole movie needed to be filmed that way. And and making it specifically this way for a, something that was going to be viewed by the most people in on their TVs at home seemed like a weird idea but it's his vision and i'm glad we got to see it have the way he wanted it and it just for me did not add anything i legit i didn't notice it on the other hand like it, it didn't bother me in the slightest i wasn't aware of it at all yeah i kind of forgot about it by the second chapter um kind of like with the dark Knight, like I don't even notice sometimes when the ratio changes in that movie. Cause it goes, if you have the Blu-ray, it goes back and forth depending on what scene it is. Cause they used IMAX cameras for certain scenes, like the truck flip, for example. But uh, yeah, I definitely forgot that it went like that. So it didn't really change my experience one way or the other, but I, I a lot of people seem to be bothered by it. So I was just curious. All right. So, Let's talk about the movie itself, the content, as it were. How do you want to do this? Do you want to go like character arcs or do you want to go chapter arcs? Like what's what's going to work for you guys? Because there's Let's, a lot. I mean, so we kind of tore the original 2017 version, a new one. Why don't we <laughs> just kind of talk about uh, the, the differences and like what we enjoyed in this part before we get to like picking it apart in places. Well, um, so as far as things that I enjoyed, I think the, you know, the obvious one to just get out of the way is, you know, cyborg story is mm -hmm. substantially different in this version of the movie. He gets a lot more screen time, a lot more character depth and background, um, you know, interactions with his parents and all those types of things. And, you know, Ray Fisher's a good actor. He had a difficult task being, you know, the guy in the spandex green suit the entire time when everyone's in these cool costumes around him. Uh, that could not have been easy on, on every day. So I think he really did a phenomenal job given that it was his first actual movie role. Uh, and it's it was nice to see the story really fleshed out. I would disagree a little bit only on the fact that I don't, I'm not convinced that Ray Fisher is that great of an actor. Like you, you, the only thing he had to act with was like half of his face. Um, so it's everything else was like glowy and moving bits on it that are CGI'd on. So it's really hard for, it was hard 
what I saw was fine. It was good. He wasn't certainly wasn't bad, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Acting is more than just this part of your face for most people. I can't really determine his acting quality. What I saw here was good for sure. I just have a hard time, you know, saying that he, he's a great actor uh, based off this role, just because you couldn't really see a lot of what he was probably putting forth because of the giant bits of CG. But his story being fleshed out more, I can I totally understand why he's pissed at Warner Brothers or why he was, because, <laughs> I mean, he had a much more compelling story in this one, needlessly dark in some in some cases, but um, overall, yeah, he, he was the heart of the story. And uh, I would have been pissed too if, if that my role got reduced to background typewriter, which is basically what he was in the, mm -hmm. uh, in the theatrical cut, so. Yeah, yeah, he no, basically totally had nothing to do in the first version. Like, we didn't cut. He didn't just cut. He shredded his part. And, uh, like, it's almost disrespectful how much uh, he cut, just based on that alone. And then you find out that he was disrespectful behind the scenes. So it's, Putting it lightly. Put it, yeah, that's the nicest thing I can say about Whedon at this point. It does make me more curious about uh, what Leto did on Suicide Squad. Now, I didn't really like how he looked and how a lot of his character was, but you know, you hear, you heard about Leto's part getting just absolutely cut down to a minuscule amount and then now we see uh ray fisher say the same thing about cyborg and we see how expanded and wonderful it is how he, like this cyborg is just absolutely different and he's he's so emotional and incredible i really enjoyed it that like it does make me curious how what else we're missing what else has been left on the cutting room floor and is it going to be this cool because it this doesn't give me a lot of faith in the warner brothers executives yeah i mean that's that's certainly fair right it, it definitely seems like at this particular point like dc's biggest enemy is just their executives mm -hmm. screwing around with stuff uh, so I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, on, on a similar note, Flash's story is is you know not to the same extent, but, you know, was cut down in a similar way to just kind of being the, you know, the stumbling, not really sure what to say, you know, quirky kid in the 2017 cut. And in this one, you get, you know, a lot of the background with his dad and, you know, you learn about why he's trying to get into, into criminal justice. And obviously like, if you've seen the flash TV show and, you know, you know, the character, you know, those things already, but it's not in the story. And here you get to see you know, who he actually is, what powers he has, you know, he makes references to, things that he's already done rules he's made for himself so you know that like this isn't the first day he's using those powers whereas you know in the previous version of the movie it almost seemed like he had never really been the flash before you know it was like his first day on the job and a lot of his stuff was was changed from that standpoint into um at least a more significant role like obviously towards the end of the movie they have to kind of like write him away for a little bit because you can't just have him running around doing stuff all the time there's no way to progress that way um but i definitely thought his story was stronger as well 
I have to agree. I did not like Ezra Miller's casting. I didn't like him in the small BBS or Justice League. And this one changed my mind. I, I, he's still my least favorite Justice Leaguer, but <laughs> in the movie, in the movie, right. in the movie, I, I still prefer Grant Gustin's portrayal of Barry Allen, but again like this this fleshed him out and he was a lot more tolerable he wasn't a joke the entire time he they all the characters were multifaceted they were not just one dimensional they had depth to them and in the end because of that i liked cyborg and flash a lot more yeah i mean for me I agree with most of the things that you guys said about flat about flash in this movie. Uh, Derek said, you mentioned that he was like this quirky weirdo in the first, in the theatrical release, but he was still a quirky weirdo. Sure. In this one. And so he wasn't really much more likable to me, but you did get a little more like the reason of, you know, you get more background to him and like him a little bit more uh, because, because of his dad, although his dad was weird. Like he calls him man all the time and just, I don't know why that bothered. It was just like this really weird relationship to him. And I guess they just don't spend that much time together because his dad's been locked up basically his whole life. But yeah, that, that was a weird relationship for me. I'm fine with uh, Billy Crudup. Is, isn't that is the guy? Mm-hmm. The guy who plays his dad? Yeah. I'm fine with him not coming back in, uh, um, <laughs> in the flash movie because he wasn't really that impressive to me, but um, no yeah. blue dong, no care. Exactly. I only want to see him if he's going to have blue dong on the, on the screen, but uh, in terms of flash, he gets the coolest scene of the movie, uh, you know, in the end when he's doing the time travel thing, that was probably the coolest thing in the movie, the coolest like single scene. Um, And even the scene where he saves Iris was cool. Although I found it a little like creepy and weird that he was like fondling her face while she couldn't do anything. Did that bother you guys at all? Like it didn't, bother me i I mean the scene's awkward the scene definitely came off as awkward but i thought that was just like because he's awkward like as a character um so i didn't really think about it any deeper than that i don't know yeah maybe i was reading too much into it but yeah him like brushing her hair out of her face while she can't consent or can't say anything you know it, it, it was a little weird to me um yeah and i get it he's quirky and probably not very good at being social so you know i i don't know that was weird to me it was still a cool scene and it's weird because we saw you know all the like several years ago the storyboards and the skeleton to that scene before there was any cg Zack snyder has been releasing all this stuff over the years before when he thought he wasn't going to get a chance to do this and so you know it was cool seeing that scene finalized um i still don't love the way when he runs he does like this flick thing with his finger um I don't, I don't know what that's about. He looks I appreciate, like a skater, but. I appreciate how they filmed it differently, especially with since, you know, Josh, Joss took over and he had already done Quicksilver, you know, finding a different way to film them is. I did love that. Yeah. Yeah. It, pretty cool. Different. But I, I gotta agree the weird like arm movements that he does. It's, it's off-putting like i focus just on that i think he's trying to do it to be different to grant i'm assuming yeah i I don't know for sure but yeah the scene where he stops all the rocks up from hitting the people 
that mm-hmm. was like they could have easily done that like a quicksilver thing but the fact that they didn't yeah that bought a lot of love from me because uh i love the quicksilver thing but let that be its own thing and do it differently yeah. this was a really cool way of doing it also yeah yeah i love the rock scene i thought the rock scene was really cool i thought mm-hmm. that was a, a different a very different way to portray the power and it can't be easy to keep trying to come up with ways to portray speedsters you know, because DC's had multiple speedsters, Marvel's had mul- you know, multiple speedsters now. And so it's got to be difficult to keep coming up with something fresh. Um, Ray, what's your thought, though, on the on the Iris scene? You didn't really have a chance to say. Anything. Oh, sorry. Um, So the Iris scene, I think is fine. But I think it's incredibly long. And while it is very Zack Snyder to do slow-mo shots. Um, that's my biggest uh, complaint about the whole film is that I think the slow-mo shots are just a little too much. They, it's a, an overused technique in this. And it was really noticeable and bothersome for me in the Saving Irish shot. I was like, you know, just get through it. Um I was particularly bothered by the hot dogs, <laughs> him stopping and grabbing a hot dog until the payoff. When he gave it to the dogs later, like that, I'm glad it went somewhere because I was very concerned he would grab hot dogs before saving this person <laughs> and, and assaulting them while they can't do anything to uh, i don't consider this necessarily like full on assault i you're saying if a guy just walks up to you while you're frozen and can't do anything and starts brushing your hair out of your face you're totally okay with that so i i've had dudes just brush my hair out of my face and think it's this like gentlemanly thing to do because they too have watched a few Disney movies and <laughs> And I imagine that's not that pleasant for you. It you know, the longer I know them, the better it, it is. But yeah, it's not the greatest. So yeah, she didn't know him at all, just to be clear. She didn't. She did not know him. They hadn't talked or anything. And they do not talk after. Nope. Like that never comes back around. So um Kiersey Clemens I don't know how you dealt with that but it was uncomfortable I wouldn't call it assault but that's just because I'm a woman I've been told to downplay the horrible things I go through so it was uncomfortable uh, for me watching yeah. it as a dude because I'm like what this girl can't do anything like it she's, is, yeah she's literally frozen there you could do whatever like just just if she consents to that later or like has some interest sure you're saving her life but you don't get to like take her brush her hair out of her face because you're saving her life that's not a fair trade-off you know right that's uh, a really good point it was weird for me i think the scene kind of i think a lot of people give it a pass because because it's an adaptation we know that they're supposed to end up together so it makes it seem more okay than it would be if we didn't know their relationships and i don't know people results. were all over Wonder world in 84 for the the thing yep. in that yes and this isn't quite as bad as that but it's still it's i would put those on very different levels sure but i mean it's i think it's fair to discuss it because it's you know sure no no i'm not saying don't discuss it. i just mean i think that people overlook it because we know the end result is cute happy they get together 
You're absolutely right. If fans are going to give Wonder Woman a hard time for blurred lines of consent, then uh, Flash needs to get the exact same response. Now, it again, it's uh, there are different levels here, but one but is, is bad. worse than the other. But at the same time, we. It all goes. We have to talk about it all. Yep. So uh, moving on then. So we've talked about Cyborg. We talked about Flash. Uh, let's who do, you, who do you want to talk about next? Batman. All right. Okay. So I didn't like Ben Affleck at all. And I do now. <laughs> I you do. didn't like him at all? I didn't. You like the way I he was... looked as Batman, I assume, or no? It is way too bulky. Like, where's his neck? But it's a, it's, it's a Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Returns Batman. I mean, he didn't. He was a refrigerator in that comic. Yeah, I know, but like that was a very stylized way to draw. It wasn't a personal like fitness goal. <laughs> but then turns out it was. <laughs> I mean, a realistic yeah. fitness goal. Like, I'm I'm trying to tell you, I Please really. Tell me liked him his portrayal of bruce wayne and batman is probably the best combo out there i think that in the past a lot of actors are great at one and not so much at the other so i really liked ben affleck's i really liked him too but disagree with that last point anyway oh, that's fine um i know Ke- keaton's always the best but your heart yeah always ever and ever and ever but even better than ben affleck was in this movie was alfred and you know i alfred right? I think, like he was so cool in the dceu i've been kind of cold on alfred because he hasn't got for, he hasn't gotten much to work with so you know people are going oh he's the best alfred is he really though because we've only seen him for like five minutes but he got a lot with the scene with him and wonder woman on the tea was wonderful. Like sure. It could have been cut out of the movie and served no purpose for the plot other than to develop Alfred a little bit, but, um, and wonder woman, but yeah, I, I mean, Bruce was great. Uh, you know, Batman was great. I love that. He didn't have that stupid ass scene where the, the parademon explodes into three mother boxes. What a, what a dumb storytelling device that was in the, in the Whedon cut. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he was much better in this and more likable, I think. Uh, you know, there was a lot of complaints about, you know, in the theatrical cut and previous movies with Superman. Oh, that's not my Superman because he never smiles and he's kind of kind of stoic and whatever the whole time. But he smiled and was happy in this. He and went. Batman, uh, you know, was not likable really in, any, in, in the previous movies. And in, and in the Joss cut, it was like overly comical um but then this it was a nice balance so uh so i i personally even from bvs i really liked jeremy irons and ben affleck's chemistry i think they had a really good rapport as uh bruce and alfred so that expanded relationship just helped me like ben a lot more and here like batman had a more hopeful attitude, but uh, he he was still, you know, the brooding dark knight. And it was a good balance. He had a good balance to his character. I I really want him to continue. Now, I, I also want to see what Pattinson does with it, but I 
I want Affleck to get his own movie and, you know, have Deathstroke and Deadshot in it and all three of them try to kill each other. It'll be a lot of fun. No Joker, though, please. I, um, eh. so eh. I, I liked the BVS version quite a bit. I, I really liked him a lot. And this movie just solidifies it for me. He, he is my favorite live action Batman. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there aren't other good ones. I love Keaton, for example, but it's just like, for me, this is my version. This is what works for me. And I, I love it. And the fact that, you know, he's supposed to return to some extent in the flash movie is, is great. That's something really good to look forward to. And it's just a damn shame what this movie had to go through and what the actors had to go through because of it. We, we may not get to see a legitimate solo film or another full feature film where he is in the suit. You know, and I think that that's that's a loss for the character. And I think it's a loss for for the fans of, of him. Um, so I thought he was wonderful. Alfred. Yeah, I mean, Jer Irons is awesome. I think he does a really great job, too. I like that he's hands on and he's technical. And, you know, yeah, the scene with the T and Wonder Woman, like it doesn't advance the plot. And I think that that's that's an older way of, of thinking about about cinema or the way that we're you know consuming this stuff, because those types of character moments help you care about who these people are. And it's difficult to do that in like a two hour movie because everything has to advance the plot. Every, you know, we, we complain when characters are introduced too late in, you know, in movies and things like that. So we have to keep going. We have to keep going. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about, you know, things like WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and everything that Marvel has planned for, for series is they can slow that down. And you prefer long-form storytelling. I do. I really yes. do. And I think that if you think about the Snyder Cut as basically that, it is a miniseries. It's not a movie. If you think of it as a miniseries, then a lot of those types of issues kind of fall away. Um, and so I liked that because we barely know Alfred, like you said, right? Like we barely know him. And we know Wonder Woman, but we don't really know her with anybody other than Steve. She has such little social interaction with anybody who isn't Steve Trevor in either of her movies, you know? And so this is like one of the rare instances where she is talking with somebody else and just having a, like a relative normal conversation. Um, so for me, like that was a really nice moment, even if it didn't you know, do much to the plot. Fair enough. I look at it as kind of silly because like I'm sitting here and it really made me think about it. I was reacting a lot inside to what those two were doing. I was like, is, is he mansplaining tea to this 5,000 year old woman? And like, well, she never comes across as somebody who really studied like the art of tea and maybe he has. And so as I was watching this innocuous scene that means absolutely nothing to the entire movie, I had a bunch of thoughts run through my head and I, I was like, oh, okay, that that was part of characterization. That's part of the points. And, you know, if this silly scene got me thinking all this stuff, you know, then Whedon kind of did his job. So even though it was all silly and I totally Wait, recognize that. Snyder kind of did his job. Yeah, Snyder did his job, not Whedon. Hashtag fuck Whedon. <laughs> well, because like, I think one of the biggest complaints, 
that the more modern DC films have received and the, and some of the older ones as well is like the DC characters, your justice league characters are harder to relate to because they're essentially gods. Right. And even, even Batman is represented in many ways as not human, right? Because you can never reach him. There's no way you could ever become Batman. And that's always been a disconnect for a lot of viewers is that these characters just, they're not, they're not relatable. They're not somebody you could strive to be. They're beyond us. And so these types of character moments help bring them back down to, to earth at the end of the day. And I think that's one of the, the stark differences in general between DC and Marvel is that Marvel characters are people you could actually become given the right circumstances. And DC are still mythological beings. And that's a pretty big disconnect between the franchises and it's, you can't depict them the same way. And I think that's like, for me, why I'm able to love both because they're, they're really different. And it seems like this that help kind of shine a light on that because you've got wonder woman who is a demigod 5,000 years old, right. Who is killing people, you know, in this movie. And then Alfred, who's just this regular dude, he's a Butler who you know has a military background. Sure. And he's like trying to explain T cause he can't break himself free of still being a butler, even though he's there with the league and he's, you know, maybe he's not on the ground, but he's still part of it, you know, but he can't separate himself from his normal job, so to speak. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So what, what, a, what about wonder woman then? I loved wonder woman in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I didn't really love her exploding the guy at the bank in front of a bunch of kids. That was weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're trying to stop a bomb, but then you just blow up half the building anyway for no reason other than to prove a point to a guy that's now disintegrated. But um, that scene was really cool. Otherwise, the choreography was really cool. The way she blocked the bullets, um, you know, the, the moment with the girl afterwards, even though that girl would probably in real life be completely traumatized by watching a guy get vaporized in front of her. Um, yeah. I mean, my, part of the problem with that scene is not related to Wonder Woman, but why did they use a bomb with a timer if their whole point was just to blow up the building anyway? And it didn't matter what time they blew it up. You know, they weren't, there was, there were no demands or no nothing. They were literally just there to blow up the building. So why use a bomb with a timer anyway? They were going to sacrifice themselves. So anyway, um, you know, the, the, I have joked about it in chat with you guys, but the, uh, the like Wonder Woman, it wasn't even the Wonder Woman thing, like the Amazon, like, vocal like whatever that was that came on anytime any amazon or wonder woman was on screen and probably played for like a third of the movie um was so re- a lot i realized what you meant well after we had the conversation i misunderstood like what you were trying to say um it didn't bother me but now i Which, hear it i definitely hear it now this the problem with me hearing you say that is that you're so focused on scores. You're so focused on the audio aspect of movies all the time. And then I have a problem with an audio aspect and you don't recognize it as an issue at all. And for, for me, it, it's very irritating, but you're welcome to your opinion. Well, right. It's, it's just personal preference. You have every right to not like it. It didn't bother me. I'm not saying that it was like good composition or, or anything like that. I am not educated enough to be able to say anything expert level i can just tell you only because i never say anything about the audio (laughs) and the one time i do you're like meh you know i didn't really notice it it didn't bother me um, but it also didn't it also 
sorry ray no you're fine um i was gonna say that wonder woman brings up my two biggest complaints of the entire film and that is one the audio while we're here was the most distracting the score was very distracting and the songs that he picked were very distracting about the whole movie i think yes, the songs the were, entire yeah. movie i didn't think there were bad songs i thought the volume that they were at the placement they occurred it was just it took me out of the story every time and it's one thing if it happens like once it's another if it continues throughout the four hours and it just it was hard for me to get past it every time well this was something that i complained about i think when we talked about Watchmen, was a lot of the songs are a little too on the nose and Zack snyder thinks he's being clever with it but in this one it was even more on the nose it's like you're you're walking watching something with superman and the song is about they told us our gods would never die or something like that you know he might as well have been singing like little mermaid songs for the score for aquaman like it was everything was like him trying to be clever but it was really just so on the nose that it was distracting Um, i aquaman was really bothersome to me as well with the scandinavian country oh god we'll get to aquaman we'll get to yeah yeah let's stick with wonder woman well so wait so going back to the score thing my, my problem with the music was that it didn't really stand out to me like i didn't get pulled out of it at any point i didn't like other than like wonder woman's theme which i still really love her theme not much of it really like caught my attention at least not long enough for me to really retain it for any extended period of time so like and, and junkie xl you know he's the one who did who did the score for this and everything and i usually like his stuff a lot uh he's done multiple dc projects he's done tons of other projects that a lot of people would would recognize so normally i'm really into it and really excited about it and this one just felt very chill to me. Like it blended in, in a way that I just kind of didn't notice a ton of the time. I think I noticed it more than more than you did because we talked about this a little bit in chat. You don't have subtitles on or didn't have subtitles on when you Correct. watched it. And I, I like to always when I watch a movie for the first time because I have some weird hearing issues and sometimes I can't quite make out what people are saying and I don't want to miss an important piece. Sure. And the subtitles helped me with that. So, um, yeah, that I, the subtitles had the lyrics to the song a lot of the time. So it was just like I'm reading like these things that are super on the nose. And uh, yeah, anyway, anyway, back to your opinions of the Wonder Woman stuff, Rachel. OK, so uh, basing this on Patty Jenkins portrayal of Diana and Zack Snyder's portrayal of Diana. Zack Snyder has a huge problem with the male gaze of a woman. Every outfit Diana wore was meant to be super sexy. And like take away her costume for a bit because I don't always think that uh, it's practical for the situation. And she comes from a warrior background, so she should probably have practical armor, but different story. Uh, none of the outfits the day-to-day stuff really seemed like she was meant to be doing this stuff and uh it didn't really match the other members what they were doing like the the whole exhuming superman's body 
is a good one. Like she's in crazy high heels and a low cut shirt and this like thousand dollar cape on and stuff. And meanwhile, you know, flashes and sweats. And I get that it's a reflection of their background and everything. And the clothes were very well represented of who Diana is. It just wasn't, it wasn't very, um, I guess it was all for sex appeal. Now it wasn't as gross as Whedon's was. Whedon's was just a plain up objectification. It was disgusting, but you know, Zack Snyder still could be a little bit better. And I mean, I'm sure people will disagree with me on this, but I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and do that, but keep in mind, keep in mind, I don't see things the same way because of my gender. Obviously we have different viewpoints on this. I actually thought that, especially after seeing Wonder Woman 84, that Zack Snyder could do the Amazon series or the next Wonder Woman movie equally as well as Patty Jenkins. Because I, in Wonder Woman, 80, Wonder Woman 84 really changed my view of Patty and the way she sees Wonder Woman. And it made me question whether she actually understands the character. And I think that Zack Snyder has a better understanding of the character. Now, that doesn't necessarily disagree with what you said because you're talking right. more about what she was wearing but i think as a character uh she was handled much better in this movie maybe not better than the original wonder woman but definitely better than 84 um and it seemed to me like he really got what the wonder woman and honestly all the amazons in this movie uh are as characters i thought hippolyta's increased role was wonderful i loved mm-hmm. seeing more of her in this movie uh and, and and her different outfits were really cool uh and as well as the other amazons but uh yeah th- i didn't notice any problem with that because i'm not looking for that i guess and i need to be better about that but um as far as understanding of the character, I think that Zack Snyder did a really, really good job with that. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, like it's not something that really caught my attention either because to me, Gal is just like as a person also just really classy. And so I just, that's how I always see her and I, I should be more critical of that. Okay. Um, well, yeah. okay. So Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor at the very end. What was the purpose of the two female bodyguards in tight suits? And oh, that no was silly. Shirts? That was I, I. I chuckled at that. So that also, yeah, that, that was silly. My only what thing is, doesn't point, he have a bodyguard like that in the comics? Though he has a robotic bodyguard like that, but, but she looks like a normal woman, right? Like she doesn't look like a robot. Correct. No, she does look like a normal woman, and Correct. they didn't actually say it but that was who they implied died in the bvs explosion oh okay um what was what was the point of lois lane going to bed in a low-cut top like doesn't everybody i mean that's what i wear to bed i do because i'm currently breastfeeding but that's just me i didn't notice that to be totally honest because you, you i think i got distracted in that scene because you said something right as they cut to like her looking through the window or whatever you're like you, yeah you're like yeah everybody sleeps like that and i think i just got distracted so i didn't notice <laughs> so i can't say i have no idea no i need to be more critical of that kind of thing too i, I didn't yeah. notice that and i the amazons like a ton of them just had missing midriffs and way more but it showed of off their awesome abs like for real some of those chicks were like what the she could like crush me and i she think that's awesome for me that came off as like the point 
was to show that like how in, like incredibly athletic and strong these women are because like the people that they picked are like legitimate archers and horseback riders and athletes yeah. and like these women are hardcore uh, most of them are not like actors a lot of them are are stunt doubles right they're stunt stunt people mm-hmm. um and so that i think that context for like made that more reasonable for me um i will say on the positive side of all this uh, Snyder is the first person to show uh, Themyscira in a, a different aspect. He showed kind of a, a a group of women who were working with clothes. They were washing them. They were mending them. Jo- like not everyone on your island can be a, a warrior. fantastic warrior. Now I'm yeah. sure they're all trained to a certain degree to protect themselves, but. Uh, they have to have other jobs just to function on a day-to-day basis. So he he show, he brought in the community, yeah. which was really cool. For me, like what I think he does really well with the Amazonians and and with 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 Wonder Woman herself is they are um a little bit grittier and a little bit darker, and I think that that's important because they're they're showing the warrior aspect of them. Like Wonder Woman, the way she fights in the Snyder cut is more aggressive is deadlier. Mm-hmm. It reminded than... me more of like uh 300. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, the, a lot of the scenes with the Amazons, which I thought worked really well. I'd actually yeah. like if they did the whole Amazon series, like similar to how they did 300, I would be all, totally on board with that. That would be awesome. A hundred percent. And I think that that's really key because like this movie's darker across the board, right? Like it just is everybody. It's, it's an R it would have been an R rated film uh, if they hadn't cut some stuff and they get the advantage of being able to show how lethal these people are, how lethal wonder woman is because she is such like the bright star of the justice league right now. Right. She's the one who talks to the kids and she's the one who is the, the, the happy smiling person, a good chunk of the time, but she is really deadly. In fact, she's probably the best fighter out of any of them. Except then that's completely undone just as the same as it was in the Whedon cut when they have the one scene where all of them can't touch Superman and he's just way better at everything than, than everybody. She should be able to hold her own better than she did, but Superman's still stronger. So like she's a better fighter, but at some point he's just going to hit her harder. You know what I mean? But the stronger fighter does not always win in real life. That's not how it works. You're right, so, but, she I mean, but keep in mind, she doesn't want to hurt him either. Like, this is the BVS argument again, right? It's why Superman loses in BVS. He doesn't want to hurt Bruce. She doesn't really want to hurt him. I know, but the, know? when the whole league is there, it's like, why make Superman so much more powerful? Literally, at one point, he's holding, like, the entire league off with one arm except for Flash. Yeah. that's So uh, that only applies kind of superficially to Wonder Woman because she was there. But yeah, she's supposed to be this amazing fighter. And in the comics, I love when they show how brutal and freaking cool she is Mm -hmm. um, and badass she is. So when it's completely undermined by like, Superman can just like pull me with my lasso, you know, that that always bothers me. That's that's fair. I mean, there's certainly things in this movie where like there's some really awesome moments that are like almost immediately undercut. And oh, yeah. one of them is with the Amazonians when they have that that 
cathedral is the, the wrong word, but that building where the it was made to it have was the a doors. stronghold. Strong, yeah. Thank you. That's much better. Stronghold. Yeah. For the mother box. Right. And the scene is awesome. I mean, the, the archers are cool. The battle is cool. And then when they collapse the whole thing, like it's all just really well done. It looks spectacular. It's shot really well. I like the use of slow motion there when she's sliding under the yeah. falling walls, like, and the women are like, you know, they're, they're basically sacrificing themselves. Like it's really cool. And then like 10 seconds later, Steppenwolf is back and most of the parademons are back like nothing ever happened and all those women died basically for nothing and it just like totally like it lets the air out of the room and maybe that's on purpose right maybe that's the whole point but man well, like yeah you have to show how formidable Steppenwolf actually is but it would have been nice to have the parademons die too you know, because then you get a nice balance. You realize that Steppenwolf is a giant threat, but also, you know, the hundred Amazonians in there didn't die for nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, uh, we're going to take a short break right now before we switch characters. And when we come back, we'll continue discussing Zack Snyder's Justice League. We'll be right back, everybody. All right, we're back. Okay, so we have talked like half the league at this point, a little bit more. Uh, let's let's move on to Aquaman then. We had some things to say about Aquaman. Where would you like to start with him? It's confusing for me. You go out of your way to hire a person of color, a Pacific Islander background, and then you have him solely protecting a Scandinavian village. And... You know, after they explain it, this village is where it's located. You know, they don't get any incoming shipments of food and supplies for four months. So, you know, they basically could all just die. Uh, so he really is doing a good deed. And then they like kind of sort of worship him. And when he goes into the sea, they sing a very long song that's creepy and not at all inspiring and, and sniff his clothing that he left right like so it was a confusing scene i don't know exactly what they were trying to show except for the fact that no matter where he goes jason momoa makes panties wet so so i have some <laughs> similar problems with the character I, i'll say that overall I think Aquaman was a much better character in this, you know, in yeah. the, in the, in the, in the, in the Whedon cut, he was not really that likable. He just kind of came yeah. off as like a cocky, arrogant jerk. But in this one, he was kind of like a lovable cocky, arrogant jerk. Um, but I, I liked him significantly more in this. And he, I Me liked too. him more in this than in the Aquaman movie too, honestly. Um, but yeah, this, so I liked Amber Heard a lot better in this than in the Aquaman Except movie. Except for her accent. Like, what, where did that come from? I don't know why they changed from British to Amer or from American to British. It wasn't just her. Defoe had a weird accent, True. too. He did. He had um, weird hair as well. This being one of the early scenes in the movie and going into it knowing that it was four hours and thinking, man, may oh, how could they have not made a theatrical cut of this? You know, they could have easily made a theatrical cut out of this. They could have cut, like, Bruce's journey to, mm -hmm. to get to the village is very long. And it's beautiful it vistas and, like, cinematography and everything. But, uh, you know, it was just a lot of that. And it could have been cut down by half or more, honestly. How dare he wear those protective goggles and not have marks on his face? 
And How why does he need scary. to pull him up? Like just because he's showing us that it's Bruce? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes it's, it's still exactly freaking why. freezing out there. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, and then like, you mentioned that song that like, gets sung. Like, okay, I was like, okay, this is so weird. Cool. And, and it was cool for like the first few seconds. And I'm like, okay, it's still going. And now she's sniffing the sweater that I'm pretty sure smells like fish. Like, let's get real. <laughs> right? Like... And she probably smells fish all the time. So, so I she doesn't notice. This is like super sexy for her. Or whatever. Maybe she's just used to it. And then they're still singing. And it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Do they like take every time he goes in the ocean and takes all his clothes off? Do they just, every time a young woman goes and like starts smelling it and keeps it as a keepsake or something? <laughs> This is like a ritual that they have in this village. Um, so Jason Momoa, when he is online, he will pretty much just get on to any fellow celebrity that has a uh plastic water bottle that's not like reusable, like one of those. What is he doing taking a drink of whiskey and throwing the bottle in the water? Well, wasn't that so cool? No, it wasn't. It was unnecessary. I started, I started to think that maybe he has an alcohol problem in this, but then but then he smashes the whiskey bottle and there's still whiskey in it and there's no oh, alcoholic what? out there that would ever do that. So I know he's not an alcoholic. He just has a high tolerance. Yeah. I mean, it, it's there's a lot of weird aspects to Aquaman's bit for sure, 100%. The coolest part for me, though, was actually Mara's confrontation with Steppenwolf because she is legitimately pulling the blood out of his body. She is blood bending. It's a in very that cool scene. use of her powers. Well, no, right? blood bending doesn't pull the blood out of your body, does it? It I don't could. Think I mean, it could. I mean, it could, but they never show that in the yeah. Avatar well, universe. Yeah, Avatar's a Nickelodeon but, show. <laughs> sure. But, I mean, this is beyond blood bending. It's, it's literally using water to pull their blood, his blood out, which was a very cool use of her powers, for sure. S- super cool, very dark and, and gritty. It was unexpected. It puts a weight to her abilities that at least for me just didn't exist before just like we're going to talk about cool mara stuff that we noticed also in the nightmare scene seeing her carrying around a jug of water reminded me very much of avatar um which had a similar thing they always had the pouch of water the waterbenders did um and you know it took me a second to figure out what that was but you could think she would pick a smaller jug too like that seemed to be very unwieldy you know? Maybe she's very far from water in this nightmare. I time guess, right? but you're carrying like a 12 gallon thing of water is going to get old after a while. <laughs> you think, yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I definitely think they helped her character greatly. Um, I just couldn't know. get past the actress herself. That was the hardest. And that's thing. fair. Like, it's yeah. totally fair. Yeah. Her costume I, was cool. Like everything was cool. It's just like I know that she's a bad person in real life. So that, that got that's fair. Me. Yeah. I just didn't think there was anything special about Mira at all. Like, there's nothing that really it makes her stand out, which sucks because there's not a lot of women representation in the Justice League so far. And they had the opportunity to really make Mira stand out and be important. Like, technically, there's no reason why she shouldn't be on this team either like they don't really give a good reason why she's not joining them in the fight especially after she fights steppenwolf and like pretty much holds her own against him you know it takes 
six other people to do that all working together as a team and she could have easily helped so uh you know in the comics mira is a very powerful sorceress she starts this atlantean sorcery school and uh it it just missed opportunity to not have her stand side by side just because she's not you know a founding member but who cares right yeah no, there it doesn't make any sense for her not to show up at all. I mean, even even Defoe's character, I mean, he knows what's going on. He may not be as powerful as she is, but it's not like he can't fight. Well, but then that's like saying, you know, uh, you know all all of Amazon Amazon should show up. All of the you well, know, it's a little. I mean, they can a, all fight. They held off Steppenwolf on their own without yeah, any I, of I the mean, league. We don't even know that they that they have a way to leave the mascara. I mean, Diana left. Yeah, unlike what we saw was the only boat that we've ever seen. <laughs> you think that they so, haven't developed boat technology? No, no, of course they have. They use their boat. But my point is they're not allowed to leave, right? So I don't know what means to they To stop have. the end of the world? I mean, I'm pretty sure that would be a good reason to leave. Then why didn't they? That's a, that's what I'm right. saying. So that, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying there must be a reason that they can't go. Like, Otherwise, totally it doesn't make any get sense. It. There's there's story that holds them all back. I'm just saying that Mira is a she has a name she's a reasonably powerful she's character. more powerful than yeah most of the other side characters so really. there's totally. there's but then why didn't martian manhunter show up either you know what i mean like well, we haven't gotten to that yet and i have some i have a lot to say about that so so we need to talk superman right yeah yeah i mean he okay. was only in like uh, a third of the movie um but you but know he was so great yeah i mean if you if you've watched this show you know that i think all three of us love henry cavill some more than others but i think varying levels of love but well, uh ryan and i are without a doubt sexually attracted to henry uh, cavill um yeah that's fair yeah <laughs> derek is probably only like he would probably kiss him if if he, if if henry cavill tried to kiss him but i don't think he'd go further than that but that's still respectable he is I a wonderful, speak. he is a wonderful, wonderful Superman and Clark yeah, Kent. Beautiful man. And he is a great, cool guy. And so I love him. And uh, it was good Would seeing. Would probably kiss him on the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Maybe with tongues. I mean, tongue. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't it's know. hard to say unless you're in that situation. Yeah. But like, I just can't I imagine him looking at me and wanting that. So <laughs> it's hard for me to put myself in that situation. Um, he looks really cool in the black suit. Yeah. Uh, but it, I, the only thing I didn't like about that was that they don't really give an explanation. Like in the comics, you know, that's like his regeneration suit or whatever when he died. But in the movie, is he like he walks by, by the blue one and he's like, OK, I guess I just won't take this one anymore because I'm emo Batman now, um, which is yeah. fine because he looked cool. But then there were some other suits in the back. I'm like, that probably would have been handy for something. Or, you know, yeah. there's like an armored one. It's like Kryptonian mm -hmm. armor. Like, Why is he not wearing this all the time? But, you know, or you're going to fight somebody over the fate of the world, maybe put on your slightly more armored suit. Uh, but it um, did look cool. And I get that. So I'm with you 100 percent, especially given the length of the movie. Like if this was a two hour movie and they just skipped over that, like I, I could at least say, well, it was cut. Right. But like you couldn't have a throwaway line anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like nobody's like, why is your suit black now? Or why so, did they make you a black suit? Like, right. Like, why is it even you just there? have like, do you have a green suit? Like, oh is there multicolors? You can't ask why people wear black suits. <laughs> wow. Wow. I think it's, it's a fair point. I really do. Cause like, yeah, we know what it is, which is, you know, but that's not, that's not an answer. Yeah. 
So yeah, but I mean, I I love that he got to smile in this, and I'm sure Rachel did too, because I'm pretty sure that a lot of her problems with Man of Steel were that he was so depressing and like not, you know, or maybe not your specifically, Rachel. I don't want to put those words in your mouth, but a lot of people did have that problem. Um, you know, so it was nice seeing him happy and smiling with his family and his wife, fiance, um, baby mama, baby mama, or is Bruce <laughs> the baby mama? We don't really know. There's a lot of weird flirtations happening between everybody in the movie, but um, yeah, it, it was nice seeing him happy. And uh, also, like, he gets the biggest flexes in the whole movie when Steppenwolf like swings that axe down, and he's just like no not in my house and, and he like just blows on it and flicks it and it, and it like shatters that was the seeing, biggest flex seeing him get to use the ice breath is so and cool. he didn't even have to do like he just went like oh, quick, quick breath it wasn't even like he's trying you know but then it also brought in the big problem that i had with this the weed and cut also and it's just an inherent problem is he does everything better than everyone and you know, especially obvious in that last fight that, you know, they were barely holding their own and not really holding their own until he showed up. Then he basically did everything. And even Cyborg, who's supposed to save the day by hacking these boxes, he needs Superman help, Superman's help even. Really, the Flash is the only one that doesn't. Um, you know, he, he needs Superman's help to break apart the boxes. So that's still a big problem for me as someone who knows all the strengths of these characters in the comics and how powerful they are. That's tough for yeah. me to reconcile. Um, but, you know, I love Henry Cavill. So, you know, it is what it is. What do you guys think of that? I'm with you. It is a really difficult place to be in when you have Superman around. And because the, the reality is, is nobody can really touch him without a lot of nuance. Like Flash is faster than Superman is, but he doesn't, uh, but he's so young. Flash hasn't really quite figured everything out yet. He's still kind of clumsy with his powers and Flash also gets faster as he ages. And so right now Superman's still better than him at super speed even though even though superman is not really that advanced himself i mean he's only been a superhero for a short time well but he's had his powers for a long time sure that's true you know but you know i i think that like really in a one-on-one -on -one fight wonder woman should be able to to do a much better job but again she's not trying to really hurt him and so it, it is a problem to but cyborg is trying to hurt him and he he can't do anything to him superman's literally laughing at him but cyborg really shouldn't be able to do anything to superman that like that's fair I, I really think that the two of them in a fight is not even like remotely a conversation unless you know cyborg has access to some technology that uses kryptonite that he can hack into you know what i mean sure. but like it's not like his boom cannon's gonna do anything no but i mean it, it's been shown to like stun steppenwolf and things like that i, I don't know it's it's but Superman, it, it like, at the be... end of the day, like, in a one-on-one -on -one fight against Darkseid, kicks his ass. You know what I mean? Like, Superman's on a different level. That's the whole point of the movie, too, is that, like, Darkseid won't even show up until Superman's gone. Except now that Superman was, like, not there for hundreds of thousands of years, and Darkseid never came. Yeah, that's definitely a massive plot hole. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely a problem. I don't I can't even come up with a headcanon to explain that one away. I was like waiting I, to hear it. But no, I've tried like the only thing I can think of is Earth has more Green Lanterns than any planet in the galaxy. And so that must be the thing. But none of them sure. could none of them could be bothered to show up at the end of the world, though. <laughs> nope. Rachel, what did you think? 
about what this time superman about superman in general or like that end fight and him being better than everybody at everything mm, did not bother me at all i am in love and he can do whatever he wants. when when the, when lois was putting the shirt on him, you were like what are you Fine. doing girl what are you doing henry cavill can do whatever <laughs> he wants just in life just but he looks good in flannel too so i was kind of mixed i'm like okay i mean shirtless flannel at all but that's why he's also a good clark he can pull off the farm boy thing really well and that's not easy mm -hmm. to be able to do both you know and so i think he's just, just like he's, batman and bruce wayne exactly mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i think you know we've seen some really good examples of this tom welling was a good clark but not a great superman and brandon routh was a pretty damn good superman he was a pretty good clark too though i mean it's difficult for me I to like say brandon. since the clark uh parts were like really boring like that for movie sure. is boring and uh, how That's dare you problem. make a boring superhero film like it's uh, literally yeah. bright colors and action scenes like well, what are superman you, you could have a giant alien attack or something like how can you make this boring yeah true you know i'm with you 100 I, I i like brandon routh a lot and i like I love he's such a cool guy yeah. And I like the two versions of Superman that he's played. He's just unfortunately played them in a movie that wasn't very good. Yeah. So getting back to talking about the movie that we're talking about, oh, uh, right, 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 you right. brought up uh, the Green Lantern story. So maybe that could lead us to the one Green Lantern. We, well, we do see two Green Lanterns. The one living Green Lantern we see in the movie. Who um, dies. That, that, that scene... That, I loved that scene. That That's scene cool. was extremely 300 to me. Yeah. Um, and you could argue that it was a little longer than it needed to be, um, which is fair, but it was very cool, um, you know, seeing these gods, including Artemis, which I had no idea we were going to see. That was cool. Um, <laughs> and seeing like the way they did the glowy hands was, was a very cool way to designate that these are like the gods. They're not just like normal Amazons, normal Amazons, um, you know, or, or Atlanteans um but yeah seeing the green lantern get his hand chopped off that i mean so obviously dark side no well this wasn't dark side at this point but yes, it wasn't was. called it wasn't he wasn't called that it was like Urxus or not Urxus. Oh. uh, uh <laughs> is a D &D character it's something like something weird like that i don't know the name but um how dare you say that name <laughs> sorry he's dead but uh yeah seeing his hand get chopped off it's obviously not the first time he's run into a lantern right um but I do want to know your opinion on this, Derek. The ring went to Darkseid and hovered in front of him for a second before the uh, Artemis' arrow. Do you think that the ring was choosing him in that moment? So the way rings choose people has changed slightly over the years. The idea, and this is a whole different universe, so you don't know how it works in this universe. Not exactly, but I can say that... With, with a decent amount of confidence rings choose people based on you know their inherent traits and the reality is is a character like dark side fits the the conditions Absolutely. of a green ring really well because the, the green rings are powered by willpower that's what charges a, a green lantern ring and their power batteries he has a ton of willpower probably he, more so than anybody on that battlefield I mean, more so than pretty much any villain we ever really come in contact with in DC. So the idea that he would have a Green Lantern ring doesn't bother me. It's actually fairly accurate. The problem is that Green Lanterns and are always considered the good guys. They're always painted as good guys. And there's been a couple of times where yeah, they've they've decided to 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 cross into some territory about them policing the galaxy and and regulate regulatory stuff and going down that route. But they still are like hero esque. 
right? And it's the red rings and the yellow rings that are the bad guys. But there's a, the the emotional spectrum behind those things has meaning to it. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think it was giving him a, an opportunity to obtain the ring. I definitely think so. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a cool, like just quick clip for a green lantern fan that doesn't really go anywhere, but um, yeah, I thought that was a cool idea. I'd like to see it like Elseworlds comic where, where dark side is a, a lantern. Um, but yeah, did you guys, did you like that big scene, Rachel, with, uh, with all the, all the old school fighting? Yeah. The, the Greek gods, the, uh, Atlanteans, the Amazonians, it was all a lot of fun. The only, I, I had two small nitpicky things. Like, first of all, you are never, ever, ever going to convince me that David Thewlis is a great Aries. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And it was a different actor playing Aries, but then they CGI'd his face yes. on it. Oh my God. It was so awful. <laughs> And then, of course, like, I just felt that Wonder Woman's exposition was a little long. But other than that, that scene was a lot of fun to watch. And the seeing the uh, anti-life equation, so pretty. It was really well done. Yeah, so the, the anti-life equation is just, it's so crazy to me that that is like the main end goal at this point for dark side like sure that's accurate to to his character and everything but that's such a weird concept for the general audience and they don't really do a good job of explaining what it is or why superman would turn bad because of it so like if you don't already understand it i'm not sure if that ends up just being really confusing yeah you know like it's, it's hard because like we we understand we know what it is but i would imagine most people don't probably right because it's kind of a weird concept but um but yeah i mean the rest it, it was cool it looked great it's for you know for me on a personal level it is hard seeing like only two there's two green lanterns in this movie both of them end up dead uh one of them's dead the only the entire time you see them and it's just like can you not give me a green lantern like why is that so freaking hard and then you find out that that was actually part of the plan the, the very tail end of the movie, when Jean shows up to talk to Bruce, that was originally a Green Lantern. It was not Jean. It was, it was supposed to be another Green Lantern. Snyder actually wanted Jon Stewart. Um, and Warner Brothers basically said, you can't do a Lantern. Um, and that's just very frustrating just for me on a personal level. Yeah, I mean, it's and the thing about it is like they made all these articles about how we're, our fans, fans minds are going to be blown by this this character showing up. But really, that character showed up like two and a half hours before that. Yeah. So is it really that cool? Like, no, that scene didn't even it didn't didn't need not a lot of the scenes didn't need to be there, but it didn't really add anything. No, not at all. Except you got to see weird, skinny Ben Affleck, not not Batman shaped Ben Affleck because this was a reshot scene. But, um, you know, I'm happy he's sober and out of rehab now. Don't get me wrong, but it was a little jarring to see him be huge in the whole movie and then like be not really muscly at all right in that scene so well it, it's weird it's weird because so john jones the martian manhunter uh he is probably my second favorite dc character uh i've always loved that character especially in the justice league cartoon i love him on supergirl i think that he's just fantastic there part of me thinks he might e i might even like his look better on supergirl than i did in this movie 
Um, so it was really amazing that they actually did. I was more floored that they would even go like do, do that, that they would take that leap and do that type of character. Um, but then like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's barely in it. And so it just comes off maybe a little weird. And the one scene earlier in the movie that I was mentioning where he was, mm-hmm. was a really sweet scene between uh, Martha and Lois. Uh, and it, when Martha pops up, when, when Lois uh, says, who is it? And she goes, Martha, I definitely went, why did you say that name? Nah. Um, sorry. Nah. Uh, you know, I couldn't help it. But uh, then that scene that's very sweet is completely undone when you find out it's not actually Martha and it's just Martian Manhunter manipulating Lois. It was a weird choice. I understand like what they were going for, but like just let that be a genuine scene and not don't do the fan service of it being Martian Manhunter. The big reveal is supposed to happen at the end of the movie. So why have it now? So you know? I'm not sure I get why it's the bait and switch. Like if you're going to have him at the tail end of the movie anyway, I'm not really sure what the reveal there earlier in the movie does for anybody. It doesn't end up doing anything. That's it's my fan point. service. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm sorry. I guess. And I mean, but that's like, fine. Fan service is fine. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, it's also a little shallow. But he's at the end of the movie, though. So like the fan service is undercut by itself. Mm-hmm. You know what that's I mean? That's the problem with stuff that's just for fan service. That doesn't serve any point whatsoever other than fan service. Now, I don't want to knock the character or the actor because I think he's wonderful. And I've been hoping that they were going to do something with him as Martian Manhunter since Man of Steel. And so I'm glad that that's happening. And maybe by some sh- you know snowball's chance in hell, we get to see him in something else. Uh, right. So my complaint is really minor. But like, yeah, that scene gets undercut because it is a really nice moment it slows everything down again it brings things back down to earth it's all character focused it helps build those relationships that for the most part have been built off screen because it's a movie universe and so you know it's a little that's a little bit of a bummer yeah it was we didn't really talk much about steppenwolf is there anything you'd like to say about our main villain Oh my god, he's so much better in this. Like, I, I still think his look is kind of silly, but it, he's a full char- fully realized character, just like everybody else. And I understood his motives, and, you know, uh, it was a little... Uh, it, it reminded me a lot about Thanos, you know, Loki res- uh, talk to the other and the other talk to Thanos but I actually thought this one was a bit better I never really liked the other I thought he was a silly character even if he is played by um, a fun actor so I I think I preferred this one better than the other one. Oh yeah I mean I, it's, it's an easy yeah I mean uh, Steppenwolf in this movie was much better than the Whedon version for sure. Just even in, just in terms of look, even though I thought his armor was a little weird and like, I didn't understand the point of it other than being right. spiky. Although it was kind of cool. When he got shot with the arrows and then he just like flexed his armor and it broke all the arrows off. Snyder likes doing that crap. You remember in 300 when the shield has all the arrows and he takes the spear and breaks all the arrows off. Yeah. He likes that doing that. Great scene. It is. It's a very effective, like visual, mm-hmm. cool thing. So yeah, I mean, I get that. Uh, but then there's like the scene where he's like begging to come back and he gets like, I swear to God, he got puppy dog eyes and there was like a tear 
a little bit that scene and i was like are what is happening why am i feeling emotion for this guy he's still not a great villain and like very basic motivations but it was way better than it was in the uh snyder or in the whedon cut for sure Mm-hmm. I will say so his armor and this is not a compliment his armor reminded me of the uh Michael Bay shredder yeah I, I thought or the Michael um, Bay Megatron Mike, yeah that <laughs> was that, where my fair. head went was that's Megatron fair. yeah and that's not a compliment uh but that's what it reminded me of yeah I think you gotta dial back scales like that just a bit and mm-hmm. it looks a lot better. Like you took away a third of those scales and it would have been just 10 times better. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like at the end though, you know, when he's fighting Superman, Superman like rips off, you know, his horns and then Wonder Woman freaking decapitates him. I mean, I loved it. It was awesome. That was so cool. Like for like, just to see that on, on screen with these characters, like going full force. It was mm-hmm. awesome. It was, and then, you know, dark side just like squishes his head. I mean, that is some dark stuff. That is not something I would have expected to see in a DC justice league film. Um, and I, I am here for it. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, you know, we, this podcast is obviously going a little long, um, but we knew that going into it because we're talking about a four hour movie. I do want to talk about like the nightmare stuff. Sure. I think that's important to talk about. Let's do it. Um, so the first, I think the first one we see is the, uh, like Diana with the coins over her eyes getting burned. That was definitely, I think it was part of like a montage. It was one of the clips. It was during, during when they're bringing Superman back to life. It wasn't really clear who was seeing this though. Cause Bruce is the one that's been, ha- that has all these visions, right? Pretty much consi- consistently. Is it Bruce having this vision? It almost seemed like it was cyborg having this vision. I think it was cyborg. So I so there's multiple people. It's a little weird for me that multiple people are having visions of the same like world. So yeah, I I took it as with with cyborg. It was less a vision and more of the mother box being spoken through the ship into cyborg because he was hacked into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. But then what is that? What's the explanation for Bruce then? No idea. But he doesn't have a Bruce doesn't have a vision in this movie. He has the vision of BVS. Uh, it, it's not. No, really but he does have the vision at the end, though. What do you mean? The whole nightmare scene oh, is not, shown or, to be well, him dreaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. But again, like yeah, but he's actually dreaming. So like, is that a vision or? Well, he was dreaming in the other one too. Yeah, but then the Flash comes back in time in that one that helps like solidify that it actually happened. No, because it shows him waking up after that happens. Yeah. So I don't know. It's very the nightmare thing is a little confusing even to to me at this point. Yeah, it it is. But I mean, I I get where he's going with he's trying to set up the other movies and it does make people interested in what like there's been a huge outpouring of people that are like restore the Snyderverse. That's another trending hashtag now. But um, that the nightmare scene is basically all to like tease the next movie mm-hmm. and that's fine um but the big nightmare scene i obviously want to talk about is the ending one what did which, you guys which think which one's that ryan what did you guys think of this like weird joker batman thing so that conversation was intense and i i liked leto's more subtle approach to the joker he was incredibly unnerving which works for that character um, the weird collection of 
ragtag heroes, I guess, at this point was odd as well. Um, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. It actually makes me want to see this continue. You know, I, I think if we bully WB hard enough, guys, we can make this happen. <laughs> we made this, well, we personally didn't make the Snyder Cut happen, but I think, you know, in the next four years, we can bully them into giving Snyder more work. Yeah, I, I liked the team as like Wasteland Justice Society, you know, like it was super cool. And I mean, I love uh, Joe Maginello's uh, Deathstroke. Like he just looks fantastic I mean, to, to know where that actor started and like what he looks like in that role. I, I need to see more of that. Um, so I loved I loved all of that. I definitely think that Leto's Joker is m closer to what I have in my head for the Joker supposedly it's supposed to be the same guy he's just gone through a bunch of stuff since suicide squad sure um right so it's not a different joker he's just you know he's changed uh it's an use of worn off or he painted over him or he had them removed or he had them removed yeah um, i think joker was the crux of my issues joker and batman in that scene i did think like the wasteland like combination of heroes and villains was cool um but Joker saying talking about giving Batman a reach around like what what was that and then like you know Batman saying uh I'll fucking kill you like that was cool and and I and I didn't have a problem with it in this sense because this is a Batman that's like been through a lot of shit right so he's done dealing with with Joker's crap but Joker like I don't know the scene about the reach around and or the, the line about the reach around kind of threw me off for the whole scene I'm like <laughs> why is this turning into like is this like play on Batman's toxic masculinity or something by making this into a gay thing like I don't no, know I think the the thing is uh the Joker in this sense uh only says stuff that gets under Batman's skin. Like his whole thing is to push him as far as he can. Mm -hmm. And I think what, what we have at this point, like based on everything that we've seen earlier in the Snyder cut, like this is not our childhood heroes, right? These are adult versions of these characters. And in the, in the real world, if Batman and Joker were actually real, truly realized living human beings, what are things that the Joker would actually say? And I actually think that is more accurate to what this character would be like in reality. He wouldn't just be making puns and throwing around playing cards. You know, he would be saying gross, vulgar, disgusting stuff to try and get under Bruce's skin to see how far he could push him. Right. Could he get Bruce to just really beat the shit out of him? And would Bruce go that far? Would Bruce really kill the Joker or is the Joker right that they need each other? Kind of like in the Dark Knight where even Heath Ledger's Joker, you know, says that, that they need each other. Maybe there's, you know, truth to that. And I've always believed that they'd feed into each other. It's cyclical. You can't really have one without the other once, once Batman becomes who he is. So it didn't bother me. It was uncomfortable, but I think that was the point. 
I mean, I don't know, I guess. It just didn't really add anything to the movie for me, and in fact pulled me out so much that I had trouble focusing on the rest of the scene. Mm-hmm. I liked the way he looked with, like, yeah, the, the face looked better, like it looked more Joker-like, and, and the collection of badges on his vest was cool, um, and getting some backstory to the card that Batman has on his gun during the nightmare scene in BVS was cool. Um, yeah, I mean... It was a neat scene. The, the The green screen behind Joker for me looked really terrible. Um, yeah, I don't know what... if this is distracting for you guys, but I'm glad this wasn't a theatrical release because a lot of the CG in this movie would not have held up because it barely held up on my uh, personal TV. So, yeah, I completely agree. But honestly, there's a lot of green screen stuff throughout the entire film, and that was one of the low hanging fruit nitpicky things I wasn't gonna say because that's not really fair when he had to go back to this stuff years later well in the, in the joker bit so that scene they were filmed separately uh bruce and and the joker they were not in the same place um and snyder like that was like the thing he wanted added to the movie so he was even like trying to figure out ways to shoot it like in his own yard uh <laughs> just to get it into the film and so i i don't have any trouble believing that like it was definitely like string and a prayer getting that scene into the film. Um, Snyder had this idea in his head that if he was really going to do this, he had to have his Batman and Joker meet, you know, or otherwise, you know, he'd be missing something because in his mind, he's not going to be doing another DC project. Now, will he or won't he? We'll have to see, right? Obviously there's, there's a lot of chatter in both directions for that, but um, I think like there's a couple other moments that had some weird CGI, like when the Atlanteans are being pulled out of the water by the parademons uh, right before we get to see the first like spider uh, interrogator thing. There's like this strange effect of the water moving over the characters that looked super odd. Um, I, I do wonder, like, was it time? Was it budget? Was it the fact that, you know, it was during COVID? Like, I'm kind of curious what led to a couple of those kind of glitchy things. And if that would have existed or not, had this movie, you know, come out as originally intended. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, we'll yeah. never know. But um, uh, most, of, for the most part, the CG didn't bother me. There were a couple weird spots, but that that one green screen with the Joker, I guess, because the other scenes were shot before that, mm-hmm. or like were original shot, and then that one, I, it it stood out a lot compared to the green screen with the, the other nightmare shots um so i don't know but yeah i didn't really love joker in this either um you know nightmare batman was fine because of course he's jaded and like doesn't give a shit but um yeah i'm with you yeah Uh, i i can take or leave the joker most of the time Mm -hmm. so you know that's just me um all right so we're like at the hour and a half mark i think we've covered most of the characters and stuff was there anything else that happened in this or didn't happen that happened in the theatrical cut or whatever. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we wrap things up? Not really. No, I think we've beaten most of the stuff to death that we didn't like in the theatrical cut, not only tonight, but just in our review of the other movie and uh, just in previous podcasts. So um, yeah, I was very happy with the way this turned out Mm -hmm. better than I expected. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. 
So, all right, well, then I guess that's going to be it for us then. So the Snyder Cut is officially in the books, and I guess that means we probably won't be talking about it anywhere near as much as we have been <laughs> in recent months, uh, unless, you know, he gets a sequel or something like that, then I guess we'll have more to say. Um, I do want to plug something real quick. So we have a voicemail now that you can leave us messages on. So if you want to possibly get your thoughts, questions, comments on the show, you can leave us a voicemail. If you call 913-890-3007, you can leave us a voicemail. We'll listen to it and you know it might make the show. You don't know. It might help spur some conversation or something like that. Um, we of course are the screen heroes podcast. You can find us at screen heroes pod everywhere on social media. Uh, we live stream this on our Facebook page, the screen heroes podcast, Facebook page live Tuesday nights at 9 PM Eastern every week. Uh, we will be doing the Falcon and the winter soldier each week as the episodes come out. We've got lots of other stuff planned for this year. Lots of fun retro reviews for movie anniversaries that we've got coming up. Anything else you guys want to throw out there for people? No, I think no. you covered it. Yeah. All right. Great job. Awesome. Well, if you'd like to subscribe to the show, you can go to screen-heroes.com for all of our links. Thank you for listening. I am Derek. You can find me at the Star Trek dude. Ray, where can people find you? I'm at Siren Ray. And Ryan? At Buster Props. And we are Screen Heroes. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time.